scripture reading this day is in Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. One of Jesus' most challenging statements about love. Matthew 5:43. Jesus says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For He gives His sunlight to both the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, shower Your love upon us. Let our hearts and minds focus upon You. Guide in the words that are said. Transform them as they are received. Let Your Spirit be upon us this day. In Christ's name, Amen. Please be seated. Um, by the way, did you notice? You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor. And we know that's a part of the law. Jesus even singled it out. Jesus even singled it out to say these are the summation of the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So where do you think you got that hate your enemies? Wouldn't you say that possibly that was one of these additions to the law that the people of the day were making, kind of like how that law about not cooking the young goat in the mother's milk, they expanded that eventually to say cheese and meat should never touch, therefore cheeseburgers are not kosher. Mentioned that last week. We had kids down at the front going, no, tell us it isn't so. I imagine that whenever at the time people were reading, love your neighbor, they would have asked in their minds the same thing that someone asked Jesus probably, Peter. And who is my neighbor? <coughs> Pardon me. And Jesus eventually said to the Pharisee or scribe who asked, I'm sure Peter did a lot too, the person whom you act as a neighbor, is your neighbor. Everyone. I'm sure at the day the people were saying, oh, my neighbor, that means, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But that does not mean that Roman centurion. That wouldn't be my neighbor. So they would have added, love your neighbor, and then added, hate your enemies. That leads to a mess, doesn't it? That leads to love coexisting with hate. If you can't quite see that, that's a person who was very clever. They wrote hate in such a way on the back of their shirt that when they stood next to a mirror, in the mirror it looks like love. 
unfortunately, in our life, those two things coexist. But this week, we're supposed to just be thinking about love, aren't we? Okay, all of these are sweet, like the young couple on the lower right-hand side sharing the milkshake. On top of that, I don't know what movie that's from. I know it's The Sweethearts. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a book. But it kind of reminded me of some of the pictures I'd see in my grandmother's uh, on her magazine stand and some of the pictures that they took whenever she was that age. The young couple down on the left-hand side, that's them before and after. And I love that 80s picture. Can't you just tell that's in the 80s? I figure, hmm. Ah, young love, and they're still together. Who with them? But my favorite one is up here on the upper left-hand side. You see what's going on there? Girl, boy, girl, the boy's kissing the girl on his right. The girl on the left is looking so sour-faced, he's about to swat him. Guys, never get in that position. He's about to learn very quickly that that's not how you do things. See, these are all a little sappy, aren't they? This needs to be kind of the, the time we're specializing in being a little bit sappy, getting things that are sweethearts, you know, looking at that other person and saying, I'm so glad we're together, you know. Guys, just do it, okay? Trust me on this. Those are the kind of things we need to focus on this week. But instead, and you'd think that leading up to Valentine's Day, the news would be really focusing on that. But no, what are they focusing on? These kind of things. Instead of happy pictures of sweethearts, we get heated rhetoric, violence. I'm very tempted to say in the words of a particular Muppet, anger, fear, aggression, the dark side, are they? Wouldn't it be good to take a while away from this and just Go back to that for a while. Because honestly, this is the opposite of the trajectory that God has set. This was just this week, by the way. Over at Berkeley, you had a controversial speaker coming to the home of the free speech movement. You had some people who looked like they were brought in from outside. They started torching things, started smashing things. I do not know why Starbucks keeps getting it. But Starbucks keeps getting hit. Maybe it's because a Starbucks is everywhere. But what got me is that one guy on the upper left-hand side, he was knocked unconscious. And in the video, you see people running by and they have their signs and they're hitting him with the signs as they go by. That's not the way. As a matter of fact, the Bible's been telling us for a long time that that is not the way. In the Old Testament, you remember this guy named Lamech? No? Hmm. He's an interesting individual. He's got just a handful of verses, but he's notable because he was sort of the, he was, he was trying to be the bad, bad Leroy Brown of his day. Okay? He was a descendant of Cain and he wanted to be worse off than Cain. Kind of also had a Godfather thing going on. Did you look at me the wrong way? If you slide at him, he's apt to kill you. By the way, he also was the inventor of polygamy. In singing the song of the sword, as they put it in Genesis 4, 23, 
through 24, he says, I've killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, remember that? God put a mark on Cain's head so someone who killed him or hurt him would be punished. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. In other words, I'm going to take it and I'm going to escalate it. That has been a very human response for way too long. I'm sort of calling that the rule of escalation. Maybe some of you remember this. What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. Now, do you want to do that? Are you ready to do that? From the untouchables. Mr. Connery does a wonderful job summarizing the rule of escalation. Whatever you do to me, I'm going to do it worse to you, so don't you even think of doing anything to me. Oh, they did something, they think they're going to get away with it, we're going to make an example out of them, so no one will ever think of doing something worse to me. That is why, and we think of this as, well, that's Old Testament justice, but that is why an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth in the Old Testament was such an innovation. It seems right around that time in history, through especially his people, but also through others, I believe the Code of Hammurabi had it in it. Basically, this idea of the rule of, in Wikipedia it's called rule of retaliation, I put it down like that, but I think the rule of retribution, but do not go further than what was done to you. Exodus. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and bruise for bruise. <coughs> and we think, oh, how... Old Testament, how severe. Where is the mercy in that? Well, the mercy in that was trying to keep society from falling apart by someone doing something, then someone else does it worse, then the next one does it worse, and then eventually it breaks down. Seems harsh today. We don't remember in our living memory until maybe someone in a movie about Al Capone reminds us that there is that within us that wants to strike back harder than we were struck. And then we get to the New Testament, where Jesus says in Matthew 5, in verses right before the ones we read, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. This is Jesus' extension of it, fulfillment of it, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. People really ask me questions about this. 
<laughs> take a whole sermon to explain all of that. But if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken away from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear, the Romans could do that. You, peasant Jewish person, here, you're conscripted, do what I demand. Carry your gear for a mile, carry it two miles instead. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing here? Instead of just saying keep parity, he's saying de-escalate it. Take it down a notch. Take it down several notches. Don't engage in that way. That would make you feel so good, but would not be reflecting your Father who art in heaven. By the way, I do have people ask me about this. If you have any questions, um, we can discuss what it means to turn the other cheek, but I will just leave it with a quote from one of my favorite guys from The Princess Bride. You keep using that phrase, but I do not think it means what you think it means. you got to really dig into the Bible and figure that one out and how it applies. But for now, let's summarize it as that rule of de-escalation, bringing things down. And then in Matthew 18, 21-22, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? This should be familiar. <clears throat> I tell you, not seven times, Jesus says, but 77 times. Some translations, 77 times seven. Now, if I hadn't just read that about Lamech, you probably wouldn't have gotten the reference, would you? Lamech will be revenged 70 times seven. Lamech will be revenged 77 times. In other words, I'm going to escalate it, and Jesus says you're to do the reverse. I mean, you could even plot it on a graph. The violence is going up, Levels off and Jesus says it's time to take it back down and bring grace and forgiveness into your interactions with others. Because that's Jesus' kind of love. Have you noticed that in the New Testament? I mean, His very mission was to come and to be the sacrifice for our sins. His very mission was to come while humanity was still shaking its collective fist at God and saying, I will do what is necessary to heal the breach and build the bridge. I love those little posters that say, Jesus built a bridge with three nails and two pieces of wood. That's in a song. Too. This is Jesus' kind of love. Saying, yes, we're not making it worse. Yes, this isn't, strictly speaking, justice. You do deserve this, but I, as God, am going to say forgiven, covered, clean, tossed in the sea of forgetfulness. Your sins are. Last week we had this model up on the screen. The head, the hearts, the gut. Refresh your memory that 
The head is the thoughts, the intellect, the knowledge. The heart is the center, the core, the, the will. In the Bible, not just the emotions. In the Bible, the guts are the emotions. That's like, you know why they got that whenever you're really afraid? You, you sort of clench up. Whenever you're nervous, you have butterflies in your stomach. You see why they got that, right? So this idea was the heart, the core, the will was sitting there between the intellect and the emotions and it was the core of the person. Now the problem is, ever seen somebody just trying to live out life just in their head? Not Mr. Spock from Star Trek. I'm talking about, you ever seen a Christian who, ah, they've got it all in their head. It hasn't really gotten in the heart. Or maybe it used to be, but it's just gotten up in the head and it all becomes about being right. <coughs> Very easy if you're just in the head to become, in our language, heartless or unfeeling if we were to go back to this. Or the person who's just all feelings would say, oh yeah, that'll give you a mushy head. Well, yeah. So you've got to use both and you've got to have the love at that core which is beyond just the feeling or just the decision that this would be like. Let me give you an idea. Um, Love in the Bible, you've heard it possibly many times, that that Greek word agape means love in action, love expressed, love that motivates, love that makes your hands and your feet move, love that restrains the tongue when it would say something sharp, love in action that isn't necessarily based on the emotions. We assume somehow that when the Good Samaritan saw that person, Jewish person, beaten up, lying near dead on the side of the road, we assume that it was only his emotions that motivated him. But his emotions would have been conflicted because this was a person to whom he would have been the enemy. Now, the reason Jesus told that Good Samaritan story was, if you love only those who love you, you know, how different is that? He looked at this person who in another circumstance would have been treating him very poorly, I imagine, had compassion on him, knew it was the right thing to do, and committed to doing the inconvenient thing. See, love, like Jesus has, is a love that doesn't give up. Jesus' love is a love that practices de-escalation. A love that practices forgiveness. A love that creates opportunities for reconciliation. Even whenever that loving outreach is spurned, that love still reaches out again. And oh, that's hard for us. Here's something harder. This is a love that does not respond in anger 
to the injustice that is being done to it, but instead works to bring healing between the two. That's the one thing I wish I could get across to everyone. It is about healing. It's not about victory. It is about healing. It is about reconciliation. It is about having hearts open to one another instead of fists shaken in one another's face. It is not about, I'm going to win. And I have to tell you, would need more people willing to say, okay, I'm going to lay down the weapons, I'm going to meet with you, and we're going to come together and be reconciled, even if we might not agree. But we're going to treat one another with respect. And you know what? Even if you are not going to treat me with respect, I'm going to treat you with respect because I follow someone who treated those with love who were nailing him to the cross. Good Lord, let's take that out and spread it around and live it and practice it. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. Don't shine so others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see Him. May the Lord bless us this week as we reflect on love, as we try to be an extra little sweet to one another. May we be blessed as recipients, as vessels of, of such a godly, stubborn love like Jesus has shown us. Dear Lord, let it be. Amen and amen.